please subscribe, hit that like button, rate and read the pod on Apple Podcasts, and let me know what you guys think in the comments. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of The Boss Sauce. Today, I have Emma Capotis on the pod. She is a festival and rave content creator who recently gave birth to her son. Everybody, welcome Emma to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on here, Emma. I'm super excited to talk to you about your motherhood journey and everything that you've been doing. Um, but let's just dive into it. Can you mm -hmm. talk to us about how you first got started with social media? Yeah, for sure. So first off, I'm so excited to see you again. Your makeup looks fabulous as always. Thanks, girl. <laughs> um, and I'm glad to just see you podcasting again. This is sick. So yes. Um, so social media, I would say probably back in like 2016, I started like a, a makeup page actually on Instagram when that was like popping off. And then I like right after that started a YouTube channel. Um, and that was sort of like my dive into like the EDM festival community. And I was doing other types of content too, but it really kind of started for me on YouTube. And then as that grew, I dove into podcasting in 2019. And then um, I would say like during the pandemic when like TikTok was growing and stuff like that, I like slowly added in kind of like the other platforms and now have like a presence across all of them but youtube is still like my home and i, I still love to do the podcast as well but it's kind of just like slowly grown since like 2017 i would say yeah that's amazing and i love how you absolutely are still killing it even after giving birth um to your beautiful Thank son you. and it's just truly remarkable um did you plan anything um like prior like while you're while you were pregnant like in terms of pre-planning content scheduling content things like that mm -hmm. yeah i kind of like did a little bit in because of my son i was due in august so i planned just like videos for the remainder of august that i like pre-scheduled to go out but other than that i was kind of like leaving it up in the air i knew like i'm in like a content addict and i would bounce back at some point but i was just like i've never experienced this before so i would say just youtube i fully paused the podcast i'm so glad i did that i wanted to give myself like a full maternity leave from the podcast um and then on socials i was like i'm just gonna see how i feel and if i feel up to it i'll post if i don't i won't but um i did try to pre-plan a little bit with youtube yeah yeah and i think with content creation in general i feel like like nowadays you do have to kind of plan out your content. I think mm -hmm. like back a couple of years ago, you were able to, for example, on Instagram, just spontaneously post uh, an Instagram post and it mm -hmm. would go viral and do well. But now because of like short form video and reels, TikTok, all that, I think that there is some planning involved because you can't just post spontaneously since you do have to do all mm -hmm. that work, like editing, um, even like things like the caption, things like that. But sure. um, yeah, your podcast is phenomenal. Very, very iconic uh, podcast Thank in the you. Raven Festival scene. Um, truly amazing. Um, what made you want to take a break specifically from the podcast compared to like all the other socials? Sure. Yeah, I would say the podcast out of everything is just like the most demanding, like time, energy, like everything wise. And I did have a virtual assistant. Um, for like a year and a half who was helping me across the board. And then um, we ended up like parting ways. And so I took back on like all the editing, socials, everything myself. And I was doing the weekly podcast for like years now. And so I finally just like had 
you know, just to check in with myself personally. And I ended up moving the podcast to bi-weekly episodes, which was a better pace. And then as I was like getting towards the end of my pregnancy, I was just like, why don't we just do seasons? Cause other podcasts have seasons and I've never explored that before. And I was like, I think I'll just feel better giving myself whatever time off in between seasons. Um, and I just knew it was like the most demanding and I would not have time to edit, do anything like that. So I was like, let's see what an actual pause feels like and like get refreshed ideas, new guest ideas, like all that. So I'm planning for that now. And I'm hoping to hoping to start filming in November and like come out with something this year, but if not in January. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think that, you know, as a podcaster too, it's definitely something that you need for your mental health. Um, I mean, that's why I do my podcast bi-weekly too, just because with time management and obviously with your new son, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot to take on because this is a whole other job um, besides oh, sure. like, I mean, I don't know if you're like still doing freelancing or working for yourself, but if you are, that's even more work. And I can't imagine. Yeah. No. So I'm working full-time now for beatbox beverages since last August. I've been full-time. Yeah. Over a year. So that was amazing. So I have like a full, thank you. That's been really, really good change for me. And I, so I'm on like a full maternity leave right now from my full-time job. Um, and I do everything else on the side. So like a lot of things have moved around and changed and obviously like priorities, they're totally, totally different now. So I will say with the podcast, one thing I am exploring is also just like, I feel like sometimes the tools and resources you use can also make your life easier. And I was just editing everything in Premiere and doing all this. And I don't know if you, if you use the platform Riverside, but I might explore that platform because apparently it's, this is not a plug. I don't work with them, but a friend of mine recommended it. They like have an editing system built into the platform so you can record and then like literally select sections and it edits it into like all different size dimensions for you. So you can do it all in the platform. So I'm, I think I just need to like readjust the way I'm like approaching the podcast too and how I'm editing it. So I'm going to try and find some things to like save me time when I come back to it. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of Riverside, but I'm going to dive into it. There's another um, platform too. I forget what the name is, but you can upload your podcast and apparently it's AI will cut your podcast into like the little clips that it thinks that um, is the best from your podcast. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look it up and uh, like DM you about it, but I feel yeah. like there are so many cool tools out there now that weren't there when, mm-hmm. um, I mean, when I started Best Candy Ever a long time ago, or mm-hmm. when even maybe when you first started uh, Rave Culture Cast, but um, what other tools or strategies would you say that you've implemented um, during your pregnancy for your content creation and saving time? Mm, I would say so. I think beforehand, I just adjusted expectations. So because like, you put your pressure on yourself to produce like a certain amount. So I think I just gave myself a lot more grace, which was really good. And I was kind of like, you know, you will put out what you can put out. I was still doing batch content filming, which I still love to do. So if I can find like, you know, beforehand, a couple hours and just knock out as much as possible. That was great. And then even just with TikTok now, like, not overthinking content, like shooting like really fast off the cuff stuff that like I can knock out. And I will say with YouTube, um, for EDC Las Vegas, that's one of my biggest things I create content around. And this year I just knew I would not be able to like pump out all these full length YouTube videos. 
So I shot everything pretty much on TikTok vertically. And then I uploaded that all to YouTube, like did not change the formatting. I was like, this is lazy girl uploading. I don't give a shit. All of them got like thousands of views anyways. And I was like, this is insane. I would have spent like literally probably hours filming and editing this formatted for YouTube when I filmed it in like a couple minutes on TikTok and just uploaded it that way. So that actually saved me a ton of time and energy. And it's like something to think about moving forward. But yeah, just kind of like cutting corners here and there where I could was helpful. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that it's cutting Mm -hmm. corners. I would say that it's being smarter with your time and kind of getting Mm -hmm. the most that you can get out of your content and especially with like repurposing. And now that YouTube has shorts, I think it's just a great way to um, Mm -hmm. put your content out there. And if it fits the dimensions, then why not? Um, Yeah. But yeah, super, super cool that you're you're still pumping content out consistently, which I might add, um, which mm-hmm. I really love. Even if you aren't posting on YouTube, I see you like on Instagram, on TikTok, and you're showing up for your community, which I think is really mm-hmm. awesome. And I feel like you foster great relationships um, with everyone. Um, how has your social media changed since you started posting about your pregnancy and motherhood journey? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, so much. So I, that was probably the biggest struggle because I was like, you, I still wanted to cater to the community I built with like the festival scene. Um, But like point blank period, I just know like, I just have to be authentic to myself and share my life because like the real people who are there to like, just hear you talk about whatever are going to be here for that. And I also felt like my audience is growing in their life as well. So I was like, I will still, I was still going to festivals throughout my pregnancy. So I was like, I will still post about that. I will still share tips and advice videos. But as you know, it gets closer to my son being born and everything, like I'm going to slow down a little bit. And then, um, when he came, I just was binge watching like other moms on TikTok, And it was literally getting me through the newborn stage. Like so, so, so helpful. So then I just like immediately clicked in my head and I was like, this is really helping me. There's not that many like mom content creators out there. So I was like, I'm just going to start posting what's happening right now in my real life in case that will help other moms who are like dying right now of sleep deprivation and everything. So I kind of just switched gears immediately. And I just was like, if you're here for me, you're not going to go anywhere. If you're here just for the rave content, you might bounce. That's totally fine. You know, like other people will come back, but Um, It just didn't feel authentic to me to keep just pumping out like tips and advice videos about raves when I literally wasn't going to them (laughs) for like a couple months and it didn't feel like natural. So that stuff's all going to come back, you know, next year or so, or I mean, it kind of came back already, but it just felt more authentic to share like what was happening in my real life at that time. So it's been a big shift. I think that's really powerful and authenticity is something that people absolutely crave nowadays. And I think that's just, um, that, that that's really going to cement that bond with the followers and community that you do have now, because, um, I mean, I've seen other, um, content creators, they, I mean, I've seen them go as far as hiding their pregnancy or not posting about it at all. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they can do whatever they want. It's their social media platform. But I always thought it was just a little a little strange. And I understand that is a private aspect of mm-hmm. um, 
one's life and things like that. But it is really cool to see like your journey, how far along you've come. I've, um, I mean, I've seen you on social media and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because I feel like yeah. I'm there with you, like watching your, your journey. Yep. So really, really cool. Um, do you see yourself posting more about motherhood and your son and what life is like and maybe switching niches over a little bit from the rave content or would you say that you you still primarily want to do like the rave and festival mm-hmm. content with some like mommy stuff on the side yeah i think i think that because i i will say like once you once you change in your life you start to like notice different things so even now like I don't know if there's just so many more moms in our, like the rave community, but now I notice those posts so much more often. Like I've seen so many women posting about like, I'm pregnant right now. I want to go to a festival. I don't want to stop raving. Or like, I just had my child. When's a good time to go back. And now maybe I just notice those posts more or there's more of us, but I think it just showed me like, okay, there's so many more people you can talk to now with like beforehand. I was nervous that it would like, affect my content and people would be like, don't want to hear from you anymore. And then it was like the flip side. It was like all these women being like, either I want to start a family in the future. And it's really cool to see how you're navigating doing this. Or it's really cool to see you like going to a festival pregnant and not like giving up on raves for nine months. So it's been like helpful to kind of like connect with like the moms in the community now. And even like a crazy rave trick um, or our life with Ash fit to rave, like all these other moms who are in the rave community, like they share their families as well. Um, and I, I think it just like, it's like such a huge part of your life now. How can you not? So I think I'm gonna, I changed my like bio a little bit. Cause my mom was like, what if people come to your page and it's all just like mom stuff, they're going to be so confused about what your page is about. And I was like, all right. So I changed my bio to say like from rave mom to real mom for now. So people know that that's what's going on but i think i'll still share stuff when it makes sense um but i definitely like i'm still so here for like the festival content the podcast all that so that's what i'm gonna lead with for sure yeah and i feel like it's just all relative to whatever season you are in your life and Mm -hmm. right now i feel like you're in this new season of becoming a new parent and um it's something that you're super passionate about and i feel like it'll just show in your content and people do you want to see like you, like you said, being your most authentic, mm-hmm. authentic self? Mm-hmm. Um, but with, in terms of like um, going, going to festivals and raving, do you see yourself attending less of them? Um, and I ask this because a lot of um, parents who, or a lot of ravers who are parents, they often find it difficult to attend raves um, once they do have children um, and can't rave as much as they would like to. Yeah, for sure. I think like 2024, I'm keeping like very much up in the air. I had already had um, a partnership with Groove Cruise, like, you know, signed that before anyone, my son was doing everything like that. So that I was like super excited about. That'll be my first like big event back. And I'm so ready for that. And then after that, I kind of am approaching next year as like, I want to spread out bigger festivals and trips, even just like with work and taking time off. So I do want to like spread them out and go a little bit like easier next year since it's like the first year of his life. I'm still currently nursing. I don't know how long that's going to like last for. Um, And then I started phasing out of like 
local shows even before I was pregnant. I just was like slowing down naturally. I think we all go through phases with that. I don't know if you have, but I was like, I had just slowed down with like the Brooklyn Mirage and Avant Gardner anyway. So now that does just doesn't even seem appealing to me. So I'm like, I'll probably go to I have like the Eric Prids Hollow show because he is my absolute favorite. That'll be my first like show back. But other than that, I don't really have like a desire to do like small shows right now. So I think I'm just going to play it by ear and see what feels good. But it will require a lot more planning and figuring out childcare and like all of that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. Right. And that's completely okay. And it's funny that you mm-hmm. say that because I'm absolutely the same way. I'm sure that a lot of people have noticed like my niche has um, kind of changed from like festivals mm-hmm. to um, like business and entrepreneurship. But like you said, I don't even attend the local, um, like out here in Vegas, it would be like the revelation shows. I mostly do just electric forest strictly now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we're all in different seasons of our lives and um, it, it'll show with your your content because that's um, what you're you're posting about and basically like what what's going on in your world. But mm-hmm. um, I love that that you're still like intertwining the two. As your son gets older, like do you see yourself posting more of your son alongside with raving? Or do you think that that's something that's up in the air as well as mm-hmm. as he grows up? It's hard. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't decided because there is like part of me and I like don't want to dive to in this world because it kind of freaks me out. But like there is the like showing your child's identity online that like does make me a little nervous. But then I have like some of my favorite YouTubers who post who just had kids as well. And like they post their sons or their children. And I like love watching them grow up. So like I'm torn. Like I have posted him a little bit. And I think now I've kind of like backpedaled a little bit so i'm like i'm gonna show him when it feels good but i don't think i want to like post pictures and videos of him like absolutely everywhere um definitely not like gonna become a mommy (laughs) vlogger or anything like that but yeah i'll share things that i think will be good and then as he gets older i have no idea we'll see i've got to get through this phase first (laughs) yeah and that's okay Mm -hmm. um yeah because that is kind of a um, you know, like a privacy thing and what you're comfortable mm-hmm. with and what your family is comfortable with. Um, so in terms of after your pregnancy, after you had given birth, did you experience any um postpartum depression? Yeah, so I I I definitely did, which kind of took me by surprise because I think like there's a lot of preparation, like your doctor appointments and stuff like that. They kind of like talk to you a little bit before. um, And they actually said something to my husband as well. They were like, these are signs to look out for in her. Like, this is what's going to be happening with her hormones. So like they kind of like told him as well. And I actually like, you know, knock on wood, thankfully had a very like great pregnancy, pretty much uncomplicated for the most part. So I don't know if I just got in my head and I was like, oh, it'll, I'll be fine. Like, that's not going to happen to me, which was not the case. Um, I feel like it probably happens to every woman in some capacity, but it just was a combination of like the hormones and the sleep deprivation um, that it just like really got to me. I got, I think they call it like the sunset scaries is something, a term I figured out on TikTok, but I would get really bad anxiety in like the evening before the nighttime, just like anticipating that like you you knew you weren't going to sleep all night. And that would like really, really like start getting to me and upsetting me. So yeah, I had like lots of 
lots of like those moments in the first early weeks and everybody who was so supportive was just like, you just got to get through it. Like it'll get better each and every day, every week they get older, you're going to adapt. Um, so yeah, you kind of just had to like, I had to talk it out. Friends, family leaned on my like family a lot and tried to sleep when I can. And then it, it did like luckily go away just as he got older, it just took time, unfortunately, but we're on the other side of that now. So that's good. We're feeling better. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm so sorry to yeah. that you had to go through that, but just, mm-hmm. that just shows how much of a trooper you are for um, pushing through. At that time, were you making any content at all? Um, I was, yeah. So I have my like early, I was calling them like my mommy mayhem vlogs, but I had like a couple little vlogs I did in the beginning again, just because I found like other moms going through it like the exact same time. And I just really heavily appreciated them. And I just found like really relatable content at the time was like literally getting me through it. So I was like, if I can put this content out right now, maybe this will help another mom right now who is also in the same phase. And that's just like the way I thought about it. But that was pretty much it. Other than that, I wasn't wasn't doing too much. I was scrolling more than I was creating, which we had a lot of time for that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. How? What was your um, content creation process like? at that time and what is it like now mm-hmm. uh like during the first few weeks what was it like yeah and um and, and while you were experiencing um postpartum depression and and now mm-hmm. that um that you're better and uh, yeah um, um i would say so yeah so for the vlogs i genuinely it was just like when i could remember to do it so i was trying to like film an update essentially when he was like napping and I was just like doing my morning skincare because I was like okay I'll just give a quick like morning update of how the night went before and then whatever I remembered throughout the rest of the day I would just film a quick snippet of um but honestly it was just like literally if there was like a moment he was napping I would try to film something super short and quick and then now I'm just within this last week starting to be like okay I'm ready for my normal content filming kind of stuff but it's you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to do each day so it's like either today is me a shoot like i can shoot something or today's gonna be i can work out like you kind of have to pick one or the other so on last week i had my mom uh she was coming over to help me and i was like mom all i want to do is just like film a couple youtube videos it will make me feel so much better i'm like sitting on all these content ideas i just want to get them out of me she was like go to your thing you know, I had my bottle prepped and ready. He was good. So I think right now it's just leaning on help is kind of like how I'll get through these next few weeks because he's just still too young. His schedule is like all over the place. So it's a little hard to like have the time obviously I had before. So right now it's like, if I can do it on the weekend when my husband is home, that's probably going to be the, the best option. So yeah, we're adapting. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Have you, um, or I guess when you do try to create content, um, without help, um, how long of a time frame do you have, like while he's taking his naps to create oh, content? It dep- honestly, like you'll see in some of the videos I made, he's like on me in some of them. Like <laughs> he would literally just he na- contact naps a lot. So like there was half the time, like I was just literally responding to comments and he was napping on me and I just sat there and knocked out like five videos in a row because it's just so quick. And I just was like responding to comments. So that has happened. Um, otherwise, like, like his 
morning naps are the longest. So like if I really need to get anything done, it's typically in the morning. Um, that's usually when babies like kind of like nap the hardest. So that's kind of like when I would try to film something. But to be honest with you, I haven't attempted to film anything long form when it's just like been me home. It's just like the short stuff that I can like knock out super quick. Yeah. I mean, and that's, um, you, you know, I feel like you really do have to kind of pick and choose, like you said, with what you do mm-hmm. want to do, like you mentioned earlier, would you say that you've gotten like the balance pretty much figured out in terms of filming content, shooting content, basically piecing it all together so that you have the help and that you can do everything like on time? Or would you say that you're still trying to like navigate that perfect balance? Are you having trouble with social media? Need a content creator, a video editor, or need social media management? Well, those are some of the services that I offer. Go to reneesworry.com for more. Now back to the show. Oh, it's probably going to be navigating it for a while. <laughs> we'll definitely see. I mean, he, so we are opting to do daycare um just because like even if i work from home i it would not be manageable for me to still like i give credits to stay at home moms because like it's a literal full-time job taking care of a baby so we are gonna do daycare um so on those days if i do have like a little bit of time like obviously i have my full-time job as well but if there are there are hours where he's not here i might have to just like take advantage of those or again like on the weekends um probably is going to be my like sweet spot for that. But I'm going to see what happens with the podcast. Cause as you know, that's like your biggest chunk of time that you really just need like quiet and focus. And especially if you're interviewing someone like you need somebody else there like helping. So once I start the new season, I'm going to have to figure out um, like either it's a day where my mom's going to be here watching him or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of just figuring out like the childcare aspect of everything. Cause obviously he is the number one priority. So I just try to go easy on myself. If something doesn't get done, it doesn't get done, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about a lot about content, um, shooting, filming. What what about editing? Do you have any tips or advice in terms of um, editing while having a newborn? Oh, man. So I would say I just started that this week, pretty much. (laughs) So I literally edited with him. I have like the baby Bjorn, like, carrier um and he loves to like nap on me so honestly when i'm getting anything done in the house if he like will not go down in his bassinet i will just put him on me and he'll nap and then i can do laundry i can clean up the house all that so yeah today i edited a youtube video with him literally napping on me the whole time so that's just like how i have to get it done for now (laughs) but um other than that uh if you can budget for it or if it's something that you can afford i did explore video editors um over the summer towards the end of my pregnancy because i was like let me just see how this goes and i used i think it was fiverr that i used and i found a great video editor on there and she like knocked out a couple of my youtube videos at the end which was awesome and it wasn't like too expensive or anything so i'd highly recommend that too and it's something i'll probably explore again you just had to um depending on the editor, give more time. Like her turnaround time was like nine days, I think for a video. So it just depends on the editor you pick and how quickly you want something done. But yeah, if you like right now, I'm very comfortable filming. I feel like I can find time for that. If the editing isn't working out or I don't feel like I have time, I'm definitely going to start using her again for sure. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that you um, explored other options. I think that video editing 
is definitely something that um, a lot of creators don't want to delegate just because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone has their own style. And some people may think, oh, but they can't edit the edit my videos mm-hmm. the way I want. Um, did, did you find it easy to find an editor that edited your videos in a style that you like, that you felt kind of like aligned with how you were editing mm-hmm. your videos already? I did. I looked at a lot of profiles. I kind of found like three people that I liked the most and just like watched their portfolios and stuff. And then I felt good about one because she did have a little bit about music on her profile and I thought was like important. Um, and then the only thing which I think is a hurdle you need to get over is obviously in the beginning when you start working with someone, it feels like it's more work because you're like typing up an outline for them and you're getting them all the, your assets and you have to teach them like what you want to do. So it feels like a lot of work up front. And in the past, I had explored this and then been like, never mind, I'm just going to do it myself. You know what I mean? And that was just like the wrong attitude to have. Like once you find an editor and you guys are gelling, like then they start to get you, they understand your style. You're not going to have to like re-explain all of that stuff. Um, I'll always, you know, I kept giving her um, notes for sure and like little timestamps and stuff like that. But then she did a great job like turning it around. So you might have to try a couple different people, but like Fiverr had so many options of video editors on there for social media content, YouTube podcasting, like for sure can find people to honestly like help edit with your podcast too. So yeah, you might have to just try a couple people out, but if it's worth it, I think like she might've been like 50 bucks a video or something like that. Really? Wow. Yeah. It was very affordable for the most part. Um, and that was for like 12 minute long videos. It just depends. It was like, I think one edit included. So if you needed more edits, you'd have to like pay a little bit more, but she nailed it like the first time every time. So that was good. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to explore that. I don't know how much my videos would cost since it's like yeah. a long <laughs> podcast. But then again, there's not that much editing that goes into it. So mm-hmm. definitely check yeah. it out. There's a, so many podcast editors on Fiverr. Yeah, no, I will for sure. Um, in terms of like all your social medias, you have um, your YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. How do you balance all of them, especially now that you're a new mom? I would, it's hard. I would say like for the most part, TikTok and Instagram in the past, like are almost the same. Like there's a little, I approach audiences a little bit differently, but most of it, the video content I create is posted on both platforms. Now I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards um, TikTok being like a little bit more casual. Like there'll be extra video content on there that's like off the cuff or like answering comments and stuff. And then Instagram, like obviously I have photo content, but I'm I'm kind of going to go a little bit more like personal on that page, I think, or even aesthetic isn't the right word. I've never had an aesthetic to my page, but more recently I've been like, maybe I should have like a little bit more of an aesthetic to my page. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I just try to focus right now on working smarter, not harder, and just like knocking out short form content when I can, communicating with my audience a lot. And then um, YouTube takes more planning. So that's kind of like, I'm just going to see how things go. But anything can be content is another thing I would say. Like I've posted just tweets as posts before those take two seconds. I've posted like, um, well, God, what's the new thing? Threads. (laughs) I've just like cropped my 
threads, thoughts and put them as posts. So honestly, I I just feel like literally anything can be content. Just throw it up there. I really don't overthink things too much. And I'm mine don't have to look like primed and polished. I don't really give a shit <laughs> that much. So yeah, I would say don't overthink it and just, you know, repurpose, repurpose, repurpose your content. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned aesthetic. I recently read that Instagram aesthetics are like, you know how people would create like these beautiful profiles with mm-hmm. um, their color palette and everything would look a certain way. Do you want to do an aesthetic just to get like more of a, f- a fluid branding or have a certain feel to your accounts? Or is it something that you're just wanting to do? Because I, I read something that said that it was pretty much out of date and that people don't mm-hmm. care anymore. But I think it's just kind of like up to you. But um, I love that you had mentioned that because I feel like they're, it just depends on the person. But I feel like not everyone does mm-hmm. them as much as they did a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. If I come across like an, like a really like beautiful page, like I appreciate it. And I think that looks awesome. But no, I don't. I would say like, you don't need that to grow. That's like one thing for sure. Cause I used to think that's what you needed. Like you do not need that at all. Like there are just so many pages that are thriving and like literally their feed looks like whatever. Um, the only, the only reason I was like thinking about that more recently was just to have like more separation between TikTok and Instagram. Cause I think everyone knows now TikTok, like the raw unfiltered, like post whatever aesthetic is like what works there. And I like that about it. You can just throw up like your drafts kind of vibe. But then on Instagram, I would say the only reason I want to have a little bit more of a mix because I am very video heavy on Instagram is like to be able to like share more photos on there or even for brand deals. That's one piece of like information I got from a coach at one point who I worked with, she was just like, if think about it from a brand's perspective, if they land on your page, like they're going to look at your feed. Do you have any really beautiful photography? Because if that's what they're going to try to use you for, and you don't have any photos of like branded content, then they're not going to hire you as a creator. So that was kind of like, if I put on like my brand hat and I look at my feed, sometimes I'm like, okay, if I was a brand, I would hire her for video content, but I would not hire her for photos of my product. Cause she clearly like, doesn't do that in her feed. So that's like the only reason every now and then I'm like more photo content on my page could be helpful if I want to do like more brand deals eventually. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of what they say, like, you know, in business, like diversifying, streams of income, you're kind of like diversifying the products mm-hmm. that you can pump out and create. And it really just serves kind of like as a, a portfolio. And I mean, that's why I still post a lot of like UGC style content. I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. fun, first of all, but I also kind of like want people to see like, hey, this is what I can do. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like brand deals, I think that Instagram is definitely a place where you can do more business, I guess, mm-hmm. compared to TikTok. I think there is more of a... um like there's more communication like through dms i would say so i really like how you um Mm -hmm. brought that up um tiktok i feel like is where everyone kind of like hypes you up and sees what you're doing on a day that you're not really Mm -hmm. um, trying so hard compared to instagram where you're like polished and like your best yeah exactly there's definitely like i'm i don't have that aesthetic but you will find more of those like profiles or like when you think of a typical like influencer in your head and you go to their page like that's like literally what that looks like it's like brand deals and aesthetic and all of that which would not fit at all i mean tiktok shop is something i have not explored 
explored, but I know that that's like absolutely a new tool that's popping off. So I, I do think TikTok has begun to become more of just like a shopping platform and it's kind of going to get inundated now with like brand stuff, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you see on Instagram, I love when people kind of post like the carousels just of like their week or like, they're like my life lately or something like that. And it's just like a carousel of like, yeah, photo dump kind of vibe. Like that's the type of stuff I kind of want to start to do more. So it's just like a breath of fresh air in between all the video content that I have on my page. Yeah. And I feel like you never know. I feel like history will repeat itself and photos will definitely be a a thing because I did notice that the reels button, I want to say either this year or last year, it was no longer in the middle of um, Instagram's interface, like how it used Mm -hmm. to be when it first came out. Mm So um, I I will, I will say um, I'm interested to see where, where that will go. Mm -hmm. But do you use any certain tools for your content in terms of schedulers or editing tools currently? I would say I did use later for a really long time, especially for the podcast. Um, I paused it for now, but that up until like yeah, up until like August, I was using later to schedule all the podcast clips, which is super helpful. And then I would say Canva is probably my most used tool just for like YouTube, thumb- any thumbnails, cover images, all of that. My tweet posts, like everything is done in Canva. Um, so I love that. And then I think that's pretty much it. I don't really like edit my photos too much or do anything like that. Oh, CapCut. I would say CapCut, I would definitely use for video editing for sure. So those three are kind of like the probably like the top ones I use. Do you just post videos and post now like spontaneously then since you're not using later anymore? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Literally everything is posted like completely spontaneously. I would say if anything, I just go by my drafts now. Like I have a, a bunch of TikToks just like sitting in my drafts. And as soon as I post it, like thankfully TikTok added like the download your video feature now without the watermark. So I'll just like download it and then throw it up in my reels drafts. And like that's, I'm working out of drafts right now. Uh, and I, w- I will say that's a big step for TikTok because I feel like back when TikTok first started, you had to do like a mm-hmm. whole screenshot of it or um, upload it to Tick app or whatever that yep. weird, um, software was <laughs> just to get that watermark off. Yep. No, it's such a pain in the ass. So now, no, now I use that feature like all the time. And I pretty much do solely create in TikTok and move it over to Instagram. Like I don't think I've ever really filmed in Instagram. Um and then CapCut I like to edit in. Yeah, I don't think anyone likes to edit on Instagram. It's no. really tough to, <laughs> to um create and I feel like their video editor, I mean I love Instagram, but it's just not up to where CapCut or TikTok is like at all in mm-hmm. terms of um usability and just Mm-mm. It's just different. Yep, definitely. I mean, it's like kind of, I'll add like the text still and I'll add audio in Instagram, but that's like pretty much, pretty much it. Even like the real feature, I don't really use the like for you page of the reels, like setting on Instagram. It's just nowhere near as like catered to you as TikTok is. So, um, but I still, I'm still on Instagram all the time. I don't know. (laughs) I still split my time pretty equally between the apps. What are you on the most? Um, honestly, Instagram, but TikTok, it's it's funny. I go on TikTok more for educational videos. Like, for mm-hmm. example, if I want to find out um like 
the top five newest restaurants in Las Vegas. Like mm-hmm. TikTok will um, give me that right away. Or if like even simple things like learning what other like social media managers are using in terms of scheduling apps, like it's just so much faster to find that on TikTok. But I feel like Instagram is kind of catching up. I think that's still learning like my like what I like and like my algorithm. But I think mm-hmm. I like Instagram more for community and then TikTok is more for like doom scrolling, I guess, like yep. spending my time there getting educated. I agree. But it, I think that's interesting though, too, because I'm the same way, like the amount of stuff, even within the last two weeks that I've searched on TikTok, just for like newborn stuff, all of that versus like occasionally I'll look it up on YouTube, but almost always on TikTok now. So like, that's just something I think about as a creator as well. Cause I do love YouTube as a platform and I still want to do long form video, but there is like that part of you that's like, but I could just film it in a couple minutes and literally just post it on TikTok and take out all the other <laughs> steps of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like your one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that YouTube does have shorts now and I think they, that you, that um, you can monetize on them. I don't know how much or if mm-hmm. it's anything near like their long form content. I heard it's um, not that close, but um, same thing with TikTok. I heard that they um, that you can monetize, but I still heard that YouTube is still the place to go if you want to monetize your content. Yeah, I would say consi- like consistently throughout the years, just having like ad revenue come in through YouTube definitely has been awesome. And then like, I, I really haven't like monetized TikTok like at all, unless like there's a random brand deal that pops up. So yeah, I would agree. I think like if you are putting out content, the nice thing is like the videos I've made years ago are still like bringing in ad revenue, which is awesome. So that's the good thing. I feel like on TikTok, your video has like a shelf life of <laughs> like a couple days or maybe like a week or something. And then it's like gone forever, it feels like. So YouTube, at least you have like the history up there. Yeah. And it's kind of like the evergreen content where it'll just keep on getting views versus Instagram or TikTok where the shelf life isn't as as long. Um, I think mm-hmm. that on YouTube, they'll still show videos from like years or even decades ago when you search for something. But I, I did want to ask you, since um, you did mention ads and YouTube, when we first talked um, way back when, I think it was when I took your social media course a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, um, you did mention that YouTube was not making you any money whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But it's so great to hear that it's kind of like come full circle now that you, at, you are making money off of YouTube. Yes. Uh, do you mind like kind of delving into that? If that's okay. Yeah, for sure. I would say like the monetization part of everything has never been my strong suit. I'm still not the best at it, but yeah. So over the years, like I turned on the um, monetization. So I'll just like drop the ads on my videos. It's very temperamental depending on the month. So like I personally will see an uptick in my views and revenue in like March, April, May, because that's around EDC and that's the most like a lot of my content people come to is EDC. So like every single year I'll see like an uptick and those are my strongest months or like November, I have a lot of EDC Orlando content. So I'll see like a jump in, in that. So it does like the ad revenue definitely fluctuates. And then in like, you know, January, February, it could go down to like a hundred dollars for the month versus like a, I've had a good month of like a thousand dollars before in the past. So it literally can fluctuate like that. It just depends on, how many views you're getting, how much content you're putting out. Um, So I haven't had anything like super crazy, but even if I get like 
you know, $400 for the month. That's awesome. That's just like coming in. So it, it is really nice just to have like the ads turned on and YouTube shorts. I do have like, you can like monetize those. I haven't seen anything crazy that I can think of, but I also don't think I've had anything go like super crazy viral on shorts that I could tell that there was like a huge jump or anything, but it is nice just to have like that little bit coming in every month. Yeah. And for your ads, did you have to reach that quota of what I believe was like 4,000 watch hours and a thousand subscribers? Is that still mm-hmm. how it is? Yep. Yeah. There's that, that like minimum, yeah. Certain amount of views on your channel subscribers. And I forget what the other one is, but yeah, once you hit that, you can turn on monetization. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know what? $400 is still $400, mm-hmm. especially with a new kid. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah. Take that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that it's come like full circle from like the last time we talked about um, yeah. YouTube and monetization. So congrats mm-hmm. on that. Thank and you. In terms of you going back to work and resuming the podcast and managing your socials, yeah, <laughs> being a new mother, how do you plan on managing your time and getting it all done? So that's a great question. I think as as long as I've started working at Beatbox, like. I just have loved my job, like genuinely love it, love my team. So I kind of like had a switch a little bit in priorities when that started because you, it is hard to spread yourself thin because then you're not giving anything 100%. You're giving like everything you're doing, like 30, 20, like, and then I feel like it's just really hard to grow or it's just that much slower. So with Beatbox, I feel like I've put a lot of my energy into my job there, which has been going awesome. So I'm like really excited to go back. And I feel like, again, obviously like we'll have my son top, top, top priority, but I do kind of like look at beatbox now over like my content and all of that as like my top priority. So obviously just like doing that, trying to excel at work. And then I think the hardest thing is just going to be like my evenings is when I was doing like content or editing. And obviously like that's going to be with my son. So I think it really is just going to be like finding time where I can and not getting like frustrated with myself or overwhelmed if I like don't do a certain amount or don't get it done on a certain time. I think I just need to be like very flexible um, and adjust expectations, I would say. So that's probably going to be it. And then I would say I'm definitely going to explore like either the video editor or like I mentioned using like a new tool to edit the podcast anything that's going to like save me time and energy is what I'm going to try to explore and then we'll just see see how it goes so yeah (laughs) we'll see how uh I go back November 29th to work so we'll see how December goes (laughs) you can do it yeah do it and I mean clearly you have a lot on your plate and once you go back to work you will have even more how do you deal with burnout especially as a content creator, I feel like it's it's something that happens to every single content creator, um, mm-hmm. no matter how big or small you are. How do you plan on coping, especially now that you have so much to take on in terms mm-hmm. of being a new mother, going back to work and all these platforms? Yeah. I think like... <sighs> Part of me, one thing I'm learning now is just to like, like, you're just going to have to like, let some things go off your plate. And like, it is, and, and everybody's tolerance is different. I will say like, I didn't just start out the gate like this. Like I've built this tolerance over literally like seven years of being a content creator. So like my expectations and like production of myself is like crazy high, but I think, yeah, like new things come into your life. So other things got to go. Like you can't, 
keep doing all of them. So I've, I've kind of like approached that way, even with like the podcast and stuff. Like I want to explore how this new season goes, but to be totally honest with you, if it <clears throat> is way too much work and time consuming, then I might have to like let the podcast go and explore what rave culture cast looks like in a different capacity. Or I've even thought to myself, like maybe we just make content when I'm at festivals and that's it. And then I post content like periodically, it doesn't have to be like this consistent, like every single week kind of thing. So I think allowing yourself to rest as well and like, let things go, like really rest and take a break. Um, like shut your brain off is definitely important, but, um, yeah, tr- try pick and choose things. Like I fully let go with Rave Culture Cast. I was doing like all the platforms as well. And then I was like, nope, I'm not doing TikTok anymore. I'm not doing Twitter anymore. Like we can't, I just, I can't, can't do it. So I've been focusing on Instagram and yeah, just taking things off my plate. So if you're, if you feel like you're hitting that like point of burnout, I would say like, look at everything you're currently doing and see like, what you enjoy the most maybe, or what you want to like put the most time and effort into, and maybe just like let some other things go. And it's okay if you don't post on them. It's not the end of the world. I love that. Really, really powerful insight there. And essentially it's like you're working three jobs, content creator, new mom, um, your nine to five, mm-hmm. as well as um, the other things that come along with being a content creator, like editing. Um, I think that's just um, so much to take on, but it's so great to see that you're still pumping out content that you've been consistent and that you haven't like ghosted anyone. So I really applaud you for that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And would you say that you've had like any new doors of opportunity open up with posting or since you've started posting motherhood content? Yeah, I think I did have one, um, like brand reach out to me and I did like a product like post for them, which was really cool. And then I am exploring like Amazon storefronts, which I know like that's so fucking influencery and cringe, but I did like explore that because I have bought so much shit on Amazon. So um, I have like more with the motherhood versus like rave stuff. Like I have a pregnancy essentials storefront on there. My postpartum, like all of the products I've been using. So that was more so just like, things I actually used during my pregnancy that I really loved. I was like, why not just make an Amazon storefront for that? So that's kind of like the route I went down rather than like trying to book brand deals and stuff. Cause I just knew I wouldn't be as consistent with that content. Um, but yeah, so far so good with that. I love it. And I don't really think that's cringe. I mean, maybe some people yeah. <laughs> will see it that way, but personally, I love seeing people storefronts and seeing what people recommend. I'm um, just because okay, I'm sweet. a sucker for <laughs> reviews. Yeah. And I, I'm that type of person that will buy something if it's like a referral, like if you tell me about it and mm-hmm. like you've used it and it's amazing for you, like almost likely end up buying the same thing, but super cool. What advice do you have for any expecting mothers or people that are like starting out their content creation journey with children? Ooh, um, I would say like, I would just say go easy on yourself and then do like, do what you're comfortable with. Like don't feel pressured to like push yourself to like, have this crazy output or anything like that, like post when it feels good to you. Or if there's like a community, you feel like there's a community you can connect with. That's what I leaned on heavily. Cause again, I just found the content that was super relatable and made me feel seen was like what I enjoyed the most. So I was like, okay, let's just 
put it all out there, talk about our experience. And if other people can relate and this can help other people, that will be awesome. So I think just like sharing your authentic journey, being yourself, like put that out there and don't like feel like it needs to like look perfect and everything's going well. And it's like amazing, like share what's actually happening (laughs) and then how you like really feel about things. Um, Cause I think you'll connect with more people that way. And then again, yeah, just do your best and look at different tools, resources, things you can use to like make your life easier. Or just if it's shooting short form content that you can do in like five minutes and that's what you get done, like focus on that. Um, yeah, I think that would be like a more manageable thing with your, with your time. Cause you're exhausted and tired and growing a human and it's a lot. So you're doing great. <laughs> yes. And what would you say is your secret boss sauce or your secret sauce that you want people to take away from this conversation? Ooh, I love that. Um, I would just say like consistency is key. Like no matter what, over time, I think just being consistent across the board has like helped me grow. And I personally, I think I've always said this, I've never been in like a rush to grow or in like a rush to have like crazy numbers but slowly just like showing up and putting out content over time has like led to the most amazing opportunities and i've slowly grown my audience and connected with them so just being like consistent and just continuing to show up and not like disappear for a couple months and then come back like i think consistency has just helped me across all the platforms so yeah i would say just find a way to show up and really like connect, connect and communicate with your audience is huge. Answer those DMs, answer those comments, talk to people that all like very, very much matters. I love all of that. Really, really fantastic stuff here, Emma. Um, I can keep talking to you forever. There were so many great little nuggets in our conversation today, but go ahead and drop where everyone can find you and connect. For sure. Thank you again for having me. Uh, you guys, it's just my name at Emma Capotis on all platforms and then at Rave Culture Cast as well. If you guys want to check out um, the podcast or past episodes, we're on YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. Yeah. So there you have it, everyone. Thank you for being on the Boss Sauce, Emma. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs>